0: Hey, welcome to episode eight of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. And this week's theme, (laughs) this week's theme is kind of interesting because this week I'm going to call No, No, No. And why? Uh, Let's just get, let's just dive right into this because there is just multiple types of absurdity going around. I'm not sure what people want to call it, but why would Montreal need to even remotely consider acquiring defenseman Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. Why? What What does Chikrin bring to the Montreal Canadiens? I mean, th- that honestly is a million-dollar question. I, I am at a complete loss with this. This just doesn't have an ending to it. People want to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois. People want to acquire Jonathan Huberdeau. People want to acquire Anthony Beauvillier. People want to acquire now... Jacob Chikrin. What is with this obsession? These are all high-priced players that are not going to help Montreal. Montreal is not one or two players away from anything. Thank God for the common sense mentality and out of the box thinking that apparently it must be that the Montreal management team has. They are completely all in and seem to completely understand the concept that this is a transitional period of time. This is not a replacement here or there, kind of insert this player to solve this problem this is a complete changeover of the roster i i just i I am at a loss to understand oh we got to get this guy we got to get that guy no 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 draft picks assets. Yeah, there there is an argument for you can only have so many draft picks. You can only sign so many players. Montreal not only is a unique city for all the reasons that people already know from the hockey mecca to the language issues to all those traditional issues and more. Montreal right now is in a position many teams don't get to enjoy. They do not need to acquire a single player, talent, anything from outside their organization. They have got more than enough talent internally. And it's really interesting to hear the negativity of players that have either been recently drafted and haven't even made it out of juniors yet. Oh, well, you know, Montreal's got no stars on the way. They have no elite talent. How does anybody know that? I mean, are there a lot of people out there with crystal balls or something? I mean, there are, are there fortune tellers? I mean, I don't understand how anybody right now can sit there and say they don't think Montreal has any elite talent. I mean, do you have some kind of inside track on Uri Slavkowski? Philip Mazar, Sean Farrell, Caden Gooley. The list is endless. I mean, I'm just highlighting a couple of guys there. Jordan Harris would be another one. Jason Struble. I mean, is is there some kind of like internal memo system that I'm missing out on? That is just insane to like automatically write all these guys off and it's like, ah, well, we just don't have anything. There's nothing coming. It is just bizarre. And then people also want to pick apart Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki of, uh, you know, I just don't know if they're ready to be a point of player yet. Ah, uh, you know, I just don't see Cole Caulfield ever scoring 40 or more goals. I'll bet Cole Caulfield a full season under Martin St. Louis this year. What if he was to score 40 goals this year? I want to see where all those people that had all those negative remarks suddenly jump on the bat and go, Oh, I told you he, got, he could do it. He could do it. No you didn't you had no idea and not only did you have no idea you were wrong on top of it by condemning a player before anything was even known about it and that's what this is is a condemning of talent for no reason I mean are are people just bored in the offseason and for some reason attacking other people that they know nothing about seems to be a hobby or something that is just nuts I mean, there should be tremendous excitement from not only within the organization, which there is, but outside of the organization because the talent and stream of talent that's coming through the pipeline soon is going to be absolutely not only exciting to watch, amazing to watch unfold. For all the people that have been waiting for exciting stories and talent to talk about, and like, this guy came out of nowhere, and holy cow, the amazing historical record book of the greatest players to score most goals in one season, most points in one season, most points or goal by a certain position on the team. For as a random example, Steve Shutt still holds the record for the only left wing, score 60 goals for the Montreal Canadiens in a season. These players have a chance to update those record books. They can be that good. Yeah, can they fall flat on their face like other people have said? Yes, they can. Yep, but that's because they're not put in a position to win. That's because they're put not put in a position to play with players that have similar skills or skills that offset theirs or that complement theirs is the best way to put it, which has happened in Montreal from the end of the 70s, so starting in 1980, through Dominic Ducharme. Literally, Montreal has not had a management team or a head coach in sync with the talent that they have since the 70s. So depending on your length that you've been a Montreal Canadiens fan, that takes you all the way back to Sam Pollock as the general manager, and William Scott Bowman as the head coach. I'd say that's a significant period of time. I would say that's been a problem. The Montreal Canadiens development program has not been the same since it existed with the Nova Scotia Voyagers. That was the last time Montreal was known as having a consistent elite development program, back when a lot of that was also happened to be developed and ran by Claude Rell. Now you finally got those kind of people in place. You've had admirations along the line. Guy Boucher... Great year in Hamilton as the head coach down there. That was an aberration. That's not consistent. Now you've got a chance for consistency. And just the amount of negativity, I don't know if that, I don't know if those problem years or years that had none of that were so embedded in people that they just can't bring themselves to not deal with it or to think that it's never going to change. I don't know, but it's here. For years, people have screamed, cried, and complained for and wished for outside of the box. For years, there's been a massive call for change, a massive call for a new way of thinking, a massive call for the organization to modernize, a think outside of the box mentality. The owner of the franchise has put into place Jeff Gordon, Ken Hughes, Martin St. Louis, a development team and depth development people to a level that has not been seen in at least four decades in the organization. All of that's been put into place. And now, instead of embracing that, instead of being on board with that, people are sitting there going, oh, you know, I don't know. Jeff Gordon has experience, but Ken Hughes, never been a GM before. Martin St. Louis, never been a head coach. Stefan Robidas, another inexperienced coach. What is with the attack, which is pretty close to being a personal level? I'm at a loss. I, I really am. That makes absolutely no sense. When Kent Hughes came in, And Martin St. Louis was hired by Kent Hughes, who was hired by Jeff Gordon. There was a breath of fresh air, a release of just this storm cloud, dismal, depressing environment like it hasn't been before. And there was, forget about the renewed hope because that just sounds like a, a slogan or something. There was a desire, a commitment, a positive change. And if you add to all of those people, the addition of Chantel Maccabee, what else do people want? I mean... Is that because so many people believe, oh well, what we really need is a veteran coach. Yeah, 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 that's a good idea. That's because Alain Vigneault, Michel Therrien, and Claude Julien not only didn't do well the first time they were in Montreal, sucked even worse the second time around. So can we dispense with the retreads? I mean, seriously. Either you want change, either you want the team to modernize, either you want a return Turn the Stanley Cup to its only and rightful home, which is Montreal and nowhere else. Or somebody's just blown a lot of hot air. It's one of the two. I mean, I would think right now people would be so excited, especially with the change that you virtually saw, not in a couple of games, immediately. Go back to what Nick Suzuki And Cole Caulfield said, St. Louis had just walked through the door and immediately commanded the players' respect. Immediately gained their full attention. This is going to sound mean, but that didn't happen under Dominic Ducharme. The magical run of the previous season all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, I think a lot of that had to do with Luke Richardson stepping in to replace Dominic Ducharme, who was out with COVID. And when Dominic Ducharme came back from COVID... Luke Richardson's impact had been that significant, where the team was just carrying on. They were all in, one for all, all for one. The players never got Dominic Ducharme's system. There was never any, okay, we're in, we're on board. They were kind of just mailing it in. They looked out of sync. There was no chemistry, nothing. St. Louis cured that the moment he walked through the players' door in the locker room. No coach has done that in Montreal for a long time. You finally have a coach, not only that follows the whole concept of the modernization of the organization, but he's recently retired from the league these people have played in. Some of which even played at the same time he did, which wasn't that long ago. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He'll definitely be a Hall of Famer. And if you look at the Montreal Canadiens coach, these are all players in many cases, or in most cases, there were 7th round or undrafted players. You can't make it. You're not good enough. We don't have confidence to take you in the draft, but if you want to be a walk-on, we'll let you come in. How'd that turn out? Stefan Robidas? Over 900 games played in the league. St. Louis? Speaks for himself. Stanley Cup winner, Hall of Fame career. Trevor Latowski? 7th round pick. Burroughs? Same thing. These are all people that understand commitment to excellence. So how is this coaching staff not the right coaching staff to have for a bunch of players that need to clearly understand something that's been missing from Montreal for a long time? Folks, you're either all in. And the perfect example of what all the players need to understand and the commitment level that they need to have, let's go back in history a little bit and we'll bring it right up to the modern team. Bob Ganey, there's a name that people will know. Guy Carboneau, Brendan Gallagher. The similarity between all three of those guys, they knew nothing else. And Brendan Gallagher knows nothing else because he's currently on the roster other than to leave it all on the ice. Give it everything you have. There is nothing else more important when you're on the ice than to play every shift, every minute, as it might be your last. As if the Stanley Cup, this game, it will come down to being the difference of, if we only would have won that game, we would have made the playoffs. Those three players are the definition of the term consummate professional. Even Viktor Tikhonov, the coach of the Russian-Soviet team, said Bob Ganey was the most complete player he had ever seen and known in his life. There's not a trophy in the world that can emulate the importance of that. I mean, you truly want to be admired by your peers. You truly want to be lauded, respected, and known as one of the best. That comment's hard to beat. For all the people, captaincy seems to be another hot topic. Is there legitimate discussions for Nick Suzuki to be given the captaincy? Yes, there is. Absolutely. he He's a player that has established himself very early on at a young age and seems to have all the tools and the perspective, the personnel, media, inside and outside the organization, relations and things like that, is really committed to the organization, is really committed to the community, loves to interface with people. Those are all great things for a captaincy. The question is, right now, as the team is going into and will continue in a transitional period of time, do you really want to weigh him down with that right now and legitimately one could easily say yes he's ready for it is Joel Edmondson or perhaps Brendan Gallagher a better option could be as well and there's reasons for both of them because the problem with Brendan Gallagher is nothing other than will he be here for the remaining length of his contract will he be able to see it to the end I mean mentally he'll want to can his body physically hold up and could you really go to him at some point. And this has got to be hard. It's been done a couple of times. San Jose did it with Joe Pavelski. It's been done a couple of times. Could you go to a player who currently serves as captain and say, hey, we'd like you to pass the C. We also want to keep you, but we'd like you to pass the C to somebody else. That's tough. Once you're wearing that C, it's tough to hand it off to another player within your organization and remain with that team. If you're a restricted free agent and you're going away, that's much easier to do. But it's really, really hard to remain remain on that team after you've been captain and now somebody else is captain so joel edmondson might be the answer his contract isn't nearly as long and in a few years nick suzuki's only what 25 24 that's still very young so that's the that's the difference between whether it should be given to edmondson or to gallagher can you really comfortably Have that discussion if you give it to Gallagher that he may have to give it up at some point in time. Because the man truly understands what the captaincy and what wearing that C in addition to the CH means on that jersey. There's nothing more important than that. Back to all the players that apparently everybody wants to acquire for the Montreal Canadiens. First of all, has anybody looked at the roster right now? You don't have enough roster spots for all the people you have now. Where are you going to find a spot for all these people? That's one. Two, a prospect. or And whether it's been a prospect that the organization has drafted, or it's a prospect that has been acquired in a trade, and it's part of that trade. They have to clearly know... That there is a path for them to a roster spot on that team once they've put forth the effort to earn that spot. And if there's so many players that they never have a chance at it legitimately, even though they've actually earned it in those cases, that's not good. You have a lot of people at that point go, I never want to play in that organization. You never get a fair shot. Nobody should be standing in the way of any young prospect in Montreal who's actually ready to play on the roster. If they're ready, give them the shot. And not just as a fourth liner, third line, third pairing defenseman, let them play legitimate minutes. This goes right back to something we talked about in the early episode That is what made the difference for Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, all those kinds of players. If Slikoski makes this roster, yeah, put him on a line with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Oh my god, how can you put a rookie left wing on a number one line? He's the number one pick overall in the draft. He's physically beyond any other league than the NHL right now. Could he learn some other skills? Sure. But if he's ready, playing him four, eight minutes a game makes no sense. Put him with equal talent. I thought one of the things that Slovkowski said was classic just before the draft. I hear Montreal needs a left wing to play with Suzuki and Caulfield. I'm sitting right here. And he's right. That maybe that sounded arrogant to some people, but he was dead on. They need a left wing for those two. Either Yari Slovkowski or Sean Farrell is that left wing. To be determined, Slavkowski is going to make the team before Farrell just simply because of the college situation versus the international situation of the two players because of their availability. Montreal has the two best future left wings in the league in... Slavkowski and Farrell and that may sound like an arrogant or how can you say that because they are they're that special and if everybody's like ah you're just a random person what do you know look at what the development people are saying about those two players there's been a lot of press release on that so it's not just me I'm not just grabbing at straws out of the air here But I'm trying to figure out this whole, well, you know, the coaching staff. I mean, are they just good enough right now? I mean, will they be the coaching staff long-term? Who knows the answer to that? The whole team is going to grow together. But to come down on St. Louis and Robida because they haven't been NHL coaches previously with the trail of retreads that have been in Montreal as coaches. I don't recall any of that working out well, unless I'm living in a parallel universe, like been something else that's happened really successfully that I haven't seen. The results of the veteran coaches either coming in the first time or coming in for a second time, hasn't had any success. It's extremely perplexing. Everybody has called for all of this change, modernization, and new way of thinking. Here it is. And now everybody's like, oh, I I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, this this could be a really bad idea. I, I guess the big question remains, does anybody want to see the cup back in Montreal? Does anybody want to have the Canadians be a perennial every year contender? Or are people happy with this retread scenario? Are people happy with this kind of like just murky, unknown, guessing future that, uh, you know, if we make it at all. It'll probably be like the final spot in the playoffs. I would hope not. I mean, that that would be a real problem. And to say the least, not the level of expectation that the organization or the fans are known for around the world. But the, but there seems to be that kind of double edge or double standard out there. the The Canadians are making all these changes. These are the changes that have been desired, talked about, wished for, must have. And now everybody wants to question them. There's that old saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It comes down to, what do you want? I mean, sometimes you have to go out, put yourself on on a ledge to get what you want. I'm not saying you have to be reckless and fall off. But sometimes you have to kind of take a chance in order to make things happen that need to happen. There's a very old saying, you can't do the same thing repeatedly and expect a different result. And that's been referred to everything as the definition of insanity and many other things. But if you want a different result, you can't go about doing the same things or kind of changing it, but not really. You didn't want to take too much of a risk. You just wanted to kind of like, just take a little bit of a jump. Look, either change it up or don't. If it's not broken, it doesn't need to be fixed. If it's not working, it needs to be completely rebuilt there, there is no in between and, and it seems like there's a safe zone or something in between that everybody wants oh I, you know i don't want to take too much of a re-. no do it or don't not kind of not maybe either make the change or live with the current situation. I mean, one or the other. There, there is no in-between. Another fascinating topic of discussion currently. Oh, we have to retire Carey Price's jersey. No, you don't. Carey Price has been a really good goaltender. I personally, I'm a huge Carey Price fan. I think the man conducts himself perfectly. I think his priorities are in exactly the right order that he, his wife, and his family all come first. And there is absolutely no other way it should be. I think he is dead-on accurate with that. Some people seem to be offended that he's rather private and doesn't want to meet with the media that much. Shouldn't have to. Doesn't need to. And like Shea Weber last year, does not owe anybody any additional information or explanation about anything. There there, there seems to be that issue too. Everybody's like, oh, Carey Price owes us information. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. It's a private issue. The issue with his knees, health, or anything related about his personal life is between he and his family, or he and the doctors. And the third party involved in that is the organization that he plays for. And that's purely on the medical side of things. On the personal side of things, what goes on in his personal life is nobody's business but him and the people involved. I I don't know where that's coming from. Oh, no, Kerry Price and Shea Weber owe us more information or explanation. No, they don't. They don't owe anybody anything. People may want that, but it's not something the players owe at all. But before Kerry Price's number gets retired, there's a couple of others I'd like to talk about. Perhaps Steve Schutz, number 22. Here's one that Nick Suzuki wears. Number 14, Mario Tremblay. Number 21, Guy Carboneau. Those guys are all Stanley Cup champions. Yes, Carey Price won more games than... Any other goaltender in Montreal history? Yes, Carey Price in one season won a plethora of trophies, including the Hart Trophy. Absolutely. Yes, Carey Price was highly successful in the juniors, highly successful in the international scene with Team Canada. I'm sorry, this isn't an expansion city. This isn't Las Vegas. It's not Arizona. It's not. It's Montreal. And the people of Montreal know better than anybody else What it takes to be recognized as spectacular, elite, way beyond average. And there are some people that undoubtedly, well, oh my God, I can't believe he just said that. Well, in Montreal, in the position of, let's just talk about in the position of goaltending. You got some people like Bill Durham, George Vezina, Jacques Plante, Ken Dryden. Those aren't good goaltenders. Those are phenomenal goaltenders. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how somebody wants to look at it, the competition, the standards, the expectations, higher in Montreal than anywhere else. They've had the majority of the best players in league history. Jean Beliveau, Guy Lafleur, Jacques Plant, Maurice Richard, Larry Robinson, Serge Savard. The list is endless. Players outside that organization that fall into that category? Gordie Howe, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux. There'd even be a discussion for Marc Messier. Six time Stanley Cup champion willed the New York Rangers, carried the team on his back, and before they won the Stanley Cup, said they'd win the Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers in '94. There's not a lot. I mean, there's a couple more players I could add to that list that would be on that list of talent, but not many. So, unfortunately, it takes more than one or two accolades. It's on the par with people that think Andre Markov's jersey should be retired. I'm sorry, playing 990 games for a team is not not enough to get your team jersey retired. It's just not. I mean, it might be in Arizona. It might be in Anaheim. Might be in San Jose, Vancouver. Might be in the Washington Capitals, the New Jersey Devils. But the Devils are rich in Stanley Cups as well. Had one of the best GMs of the modern time in Lou Lamorello. Not to mention had some really good players. Scott Stevens, Rob Niedemeyer, Martin Brodeur, my opinion, the best modern goaltender in the league. And no doubt there'd be some arguments there too. But I'm sorry. It takes more than just that to get your jersey retired. Montreal set the bar. For that. And sometimes people that would get in in a heartbeat on other teams and have their jerseys retired, not enough in Montreal. And that's not a slam against Kerry Price or Andre Markov or anybody else. They were good players. But if anybody can sit there and tell me Kerry Price was as good as Ken Dryden, Andre Markov was as good as Larry Robinson, Rod Langway, no. No, no, no. Not even close. Andre Markov was not Chris Chelios. And I'm hitting players from all different eras here. I don't know if people have forgotten about that. Even if some people weren't even born yet, the history and the heritage is so deeply entrenched. And there is nobody like the Montreal Canadiens organization that keeps that alive. That's special. That's part of that generic term that people use by calling Montreal the mecca of hockey. That's why. It's immortality. And we haven't even mentioned Guy Lafleur, Jacques Lemaire. People that just excelled beyond. People that had natural talent, ability, chemistry, it wasn't just a pleasure to watch, it was a privilege. You can't just mix in anybody else with that. It doesn't work. It's a privilege to play for all the franchises in the NHL because if you're a hockey player, there's nowhere else you'd rather play. Because Canadian cities are often looked at as the most fanatical cities of hockey because there's such a passion for the sport. It's a global sport, but it it was born and remains with Canada. So let's just use a Canadian city as an example. Vancouver and Calgary and Ottawa are great cities, but they're not Montreal. Toronto isn't even Montreal. Edmonton's great teams with Gretzky, Curry, Messier, Coffey, Grant Fuhr. They're not Montreal. Those other franchises, those last two franchises, had moments, but let's be honest. Toronto Maple Leafs haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1967. It's bad enough Montreal hasn't won it since 93, but it's a hell of a lot more current than 1967. Even 86 is more current than that. The teams of the 70s are more current than that. It really seems like emotions are carried way too far that play way too big of a factor. Decisions made on emotions are generally not very good decisions. Very rare. And it's not to say nobody should care about emotions or feelings, but they get checked at the door. It's all about objectiveness. It's all about... Prove it. Emotions and feelings are subjective. They have no accuracy by that definition. There's someone's feelings, which are important. Not making fun of that, but they're not objective. They're skewed. That is a problem. But if there's a following or a call to retire, Carey Price's jersey or Andre Markov's, I really think one should see number 22 worn by Steve Shutt, number 15 worn by Ray Januel, number 14 worn by Mario Tremblay, number 21. Worn by Guy Carboneau, retired first. I mean, if we're doing this on performance, passion, excellence, objectivity, unfortunately, there's no discussion. And again, that's not to reduce the accomplishments that Carey Price had. He's a solid goaltender. He's been phenomenal. But if you think of, let's talk about another modern goaltender that's not even been part of the discussion yet, which probably amazes people. He does not have Patrick Waugh's resume. And I'll be honest with you, I'm far bigger of a Martin Brodeur fan than I am a Patrick Waugh fan. Far bigger. It's not even close. That being said, he does not have Patrick's championships with both the Montreal Canadiens and the Colorado Avalanche. And as solid, and that's an understatement for Patrick Waugh, because he was even more than solid, as consistently solid and top-level goalies he was in the regular season, he always could turn it up several notches and be a money goaltender in the playoffs. Carey Price had that one year that he won multiple trophies. Carey Price undoubtedly was the reason, along with Shea Weber, that Montreal went as far as they did in that Stanley Cup dream run. Okay. That being said, there was a lot of years in his career where he just didn't seem comfortable in the playoffs. So let's really have some fun with the position of goaltender right now. What if I was to say, I'll bet the Montreal goaltender of the future hasn't even gotten any further than a prospect yet. And I say it that way for two reasons. One, I really believe that Jacob Dobb is gonna be a really good goaltender who's currently playing for Ohio State. I think Frederick DeChow is a diamond in the rough I think has a lot to prove and is on his way and already improved a lot in the Swedish leagues. I believe Montreal's next great goaltender will probably come from Europe because Dobb is Czechoslovakian, Frederik Tuchow is Swedish, and there's a couple of goaltenders in the draft in 2023. All of these late first round picks, which is probably what a lot of them are going to turn out to be that Montreal is getting, although it could turn out to be a lot better, especially if Florida flops this year, because there's some people that think the changes they've made are great. Other people say the team took a step back. We'll see what all those people know as the season unfolds. But there is a couple of European goaltenders that could be dynamite. For Montreal in the near future, like in the next two to three years max, so there might be a couple of years where you have to deal with like maybe a transitional Jake Allen, Samuel Mountainball, uh, or maybe Michael DiPietro in a trade. But I honestly, I don't think Caden Primo is going to be that goaltender. Not because I don't think Caden Primo is a good goaltender. Not because I don't think he's got the ability. I would have no way to judge that because obviously he's made it a lot further than I ever have. That being said, I have a feeling he's going to want to play closer to where he grew up, which is in Voorhees, New Jersey. And he's going to want to play for a team that his father and his uncle, both Wayne and Keith Primo, they played in Philadelphia. I'll bet he requests a trade at some point in time. Call it a randomness. Call it just, oh, you're just making up things to say. I really believe he'll probably end up getting traded. But I also believe that Kent Hughes, with the deft touch that he has for trades, although Primo was a seventh round pick, I'll bet he gets a second round pick for him in that trade. With that said, what do you say everybody takes a breath? (sighs) sees how the preseason starts, sees how the preseason plays out, watches all of this accumulated talent that Montreal has either drafted, acquired in trades, has coming up like Jesse Lennon or Raphael Harvey-Pernard coming out of LaValle, just to name a few of them, and see what happens. And let's let the roster take shape. Let's give everybody a chance before somebody is deemed expendable, untalented, a non-elite talent. Judgments are passed on it before anybody even knows anything or they even have a chance to play. Because there's been a lot of people over the years that have said, oh, you know, nobody wants to come to Montreal. There is room for the discussions that it's a taxation issue. Maybe it's the colder winters. You've had franchises now in like Tampa and Las Vegas, just to name a few that have much friendlier state tax situations and things like that. If you have a team where players have a chance and players feel welcome, and players feel at home, like they actually are cared about, and Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes are doing that to an extensive level, people will want to play in Montreal. People will want to stay in Montreal. People will look forward to being drafted by Montreal. I can't wait until I can become an unrestricted free agent and get the hell out of here. That'll go away. The Detroit Red Wings... Think about Detroit as a city. A lot of people don't have too many good things to say about it. A lot of people refer to Detroit like they do Miami or some other cities as like third world countries that we just happen to own. Well, Detroit created a 25 year history and a very comfortable internal process and internal existence within the organization and cocooned their players, protected their players. It was kind of a sanctuary in a way for their players and it attracted a lot of tremendous talent and they made the playoffs for 25 straight years. Montreal can do that for even a longer period of time. So what do you say? Everybody just kind of takes a breather. The preseason is just about upon us. There's a ton of talent coming from the AHL level and every junior league and internationally. And let's see what it looks like. Then at least maybe there is some information to go upon before everybody just starts trampling and ripping players' careers away from them and go, Oh, this guy sucks. There's no elite talent here. That's kind of harsh to say the least. I think they deserve a little bit more leeway than that. Thanks again for tuning into episode eight. I'm your host, Steven Styles. We'll talk again soon.